And now for something completely different. Here's what's coming up this hour on today's experience. It's wild and wonderful. What's going to happen? We have no idea. Let's sit back and enjoy the ride. Can I get a Wowser Bowser Wednesday? Because God is in charge of this crazy bus called The Christian Journey. First, Christian Chaos Part 1. We need, we need a sound for that. Christian Chaos. Da-da-da. A tale of two cities, a tale of three kings, a tale of four Jews. What? That's the ticker, and here we go. Four Jewish Christians, all from the same city in Detroit, Michigan, all living in the same neighborhood, two of which were and still are best friends, all saying yes to Jesus within 30 days of each other, all on fire for Jesus Christ. We were even putting our lives in danger. By witnessing to prostitutes on Van Buren Boulevard back in the 1970s. After that, we were known as the Four Musketeers. Next, enter the picture, a Jewish Christian rabbi with his loyal assistant and her little Yoda-looking dog. How can God make it any more clear? We were special. We were a sign from God to, to the Jews. Even though 1 Corinthians 1, 22 and 23 states... For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. So when the Jewish rabbi said we were the sign, we were a little confused because we were uh, reading the Bible, and that's not what it says. So we sought counsel somewhere else. Enter Pastor Ken. Finally, Bible knower extraordinaire, he instructed us to take the rabbi down. Uh Uh-oh. That's what God wanted. After all, it was time to learn from the anointed leader. But unless the Lord builds the house, what's a Jew to do? David Spoon's life has been an experience. While growing up in a Jewish family, he made a wrong turn towards drug abuse. Then David Spoon found Jesus Christ, and his life completely changed. The more he studied the gospel, the more he wanted to share his experiences with others. After 35 years of ministry, David discovered a new path of service. He joined KAAM, and this radio program began. You're about to hear the David Spoon Experience. Welcome to the David Spoon Experience, local, national, and heavenly talk. Here's what else we're looking at during the show. Lessons for surviving, living, and prevailing. Politics, entertainment, and current events. Personal revelations. You're going to get that today. Spiritual observations. Yeah, you're going to get that today. My life's insanities. Oh, that's pretty much the whole day. Boy, there's just so much going on. But we're asking you, what do you think? Now, you can email us during the show. It won't affect me at all. Uh, I don't think that it will send an electric shock through me. So I'm, I'm confident about that. You just email david at hemustincrease.org. That's david at hemustincrease.org. You text us, 214-210-8483. That's 214-210-8483. You can also call us, 972-445-0770. 
That's 972-445-0770. You might want to do that because, you know, when you call 972-445-0770, you'll end up talking to Captain Chris. That's like getting therapy at no charge. And then you will be... After today, some people might actually need that therapy. I'm <laughs> just going to point that out. Uh, so if you've got a question, if you've got a praise report. So Sergio had a great question. I hope we did a good job answering that question. I think we were pretty thorough on that. Uh, I'll double check it, but I'm pretty sure he, he probably got from that. And Sergio, if you have any follow-up questions, don't hesitate to reach out. Bottom line is, if you've got a question, if you've got a praise report, if you've got a prayer request, you can reach out to us. We think it's great. We love engaging with one another because that's what it is. We're in fellowship. You know what a fellowship is? It's two people in a boat. Fellowship. See? You're two fellows in a ship. See how that works? All right. Uh, what fantastic, unbelievable, incredible person from the Old Testament wrote this? The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. He didn't do the part, but, you know, the Lord is my rock, my fortress. Fortress and my deliverer. That's very poetic, isn't it? Ah, I'll leave it there. Uh, if you think you know the answer, am I, am I just giving it away here? I'm just giving things away. That's all right. 972 also, you can text in 214-210-8483. As well, you can send an email, david at he must org. Let's take this time to pray for the United States and Ukraine because once I get rolled on in this, I have no idea where it's going to go, and I'd rather take care of the proper things first. <laughs> so let's do that. Join your faith with me. Father, we come before you right now. We thank you for allowing us to be born in what is the, absolutely one of the greatest countries ever. How cool. We are so thankful, and in that thankfulness, we pray for help. I mean, Lord, we got we got people that are promoting direct lies on television on an everyday basis. Lord, help us. Our nation needs to have some serious repenting going on. We repent on the behalf of our nation. Forgive us as a people. Please have mercy on us. Deliver us from some of the stupid that's going on all over. And Lord, we pray for peace in Ukraine, and we pray for the gospel of peace to be poured out upon the people, and people would hear about the redeeming gift that comes from Jesus Christ. And they would say yes, and they'd get saved. We pray for our nation. We pray for Ukraine. Pray for our audience, as always. We ask you for your graces and mercies. We pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Okay, we do have somebody that's going to answer the trivia question, so let's send them on through. You should hear how low that is. Knock, knock. This is David. Who am I talking to? Hi, David. It's Deborah. Hi, Deborah. Wonderful to hear your voice. Thank you. All right, you ready for this one? This is a pretty good one. All right. I think that's so funny. The Lord, who said, fantastic person, who said, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. Was it uh, King David? That is correct, Amundo! 
Yes! 100% correct, Amundo. Excellent, excellent job. Very good. Can I make a comment? You may certainly make a comment. Yes. Uh, I just want to say thank you to Joanne for the kind words on Friday. And she's really the queen because she really knows her Bible. <laughs> so anyway, I just wanted to say that. Very, very good. Yeah, her and Cordelia are like, bam, bam, bam. They're yeah, yeah, no doubt. Really good. Excellent job. And thank you for sharing that. And thank you for making that comment about a sister in the Lord. That's awesome. All right, God bless you. All right, here we go. All right, let's see. Scratching that, scratching that. All right, I hope you guys are ready. All right, so here's something. We don't know I'm going to break. I don't know how this is going to go. We're just going to kind of roll with it. So this is new territory for the radio show. Do you realize that in the beginning or in the beginning of September, which will actually probably be the beginning of October, we'll be at a thousand shows here. So that's not bad. That's you know one thousand down, four thousand to go. Uh, so bottom line is what I'm about to share with you does not. Chris can't back me up because he can't talk. So when he talks, it sounds like a microphone going. What I'm about to share with you does not. Does not, does not mean that churches are bad. There are a multitude of great churches. Jesus had an address to seven churches in the book of Revelation, right? Multiple of those churches were excellent. Everybody had something they can improve on, change, grow in. Only uh, two of those churches were super, super bad. The idea behind that is never take what I'm about to share is how the church is at large. This is no indictment on the church of God, the bride of Christ. Never, never, never think of the church that way. The Lord God Almighty loves the church. If you don't love what God loves, if you don't love who God loves, that's a whole separate issue that you have to deal with. You understand that? Okay. All right. So I'm going to pick this up after the four musketeers have gotten together. So what is the four musketeers? My brother, Billy, myself, Bruce Rosenberg, and Larry Pollock, we were the four musketeers. We were four boys all. We lived in uh, Detroit, Michigan. Actually, we grew up in Southfield, Michigan, uh, which is the same city that uh, Gildner Radner grew up in, just in case for those that don't know. And then uh, we grew up together, and Billy and Bruce were best friends. Billy's my brother. He's the one that led me to the Lord. We're not backtracking to my initial salvation. We're going past that. The four of us were... We're on fire for Jesus. Okay? We were, we, you have four Jewish guys to get saved. We all got saved in Phoenix, Arizona. We all lived within miles of each other in Southfield, Michigan, a bazillion miles away. And we get saved and we are like on fire for Jesus. We went down in the late 70s down a street called Van Buren. Now, in Phoenix, Arizona, in the late 70s, early 80s, Van Buren was where you went to go get drugs and prostitutes. It was where you went. It's not, it wasn't even, a, wasn't even a mystery. Now, they've cleaned all that up and so on because it's 40-plus years ago, almost 50 years ago, right? It's like a long time ago. Anyway, uh, the whole point is we would go down and we would witness, and we would witness to the prostitutes on the street. And then the pimps— Back then, we called them pimps. I don't know what they call them now. I think they're still—are they still called pimps? Yeah, okay. Uh, uh, would would 
put down their window and they would speak in tongues at us. Oh, wait, that wasn't tongues. It was their other language. And they would speak in that other language and they would flash a gun and say, you know, we're going to kill you because we were disrupting business. So you know how we responded? You need Jesus. Jesus loves you, man. You don't have to be the way you are, man. You can get saved. That's how we were. And we had a reputation as we were going from church to church. And uh, Tommy Barnett was the one who deemed us the four musketeers. <laughs> so I just want to say that's Tommy Barnett, the father of Matthew Barnett, the, the guy who built the dream house and so on and so forth. So uh, uh, we were well known in the community as four Jewish people that were just like, we just didn't understand. We would go to churches on a Thursday night, like at 7 o'clock, and knock on the door, and there'd be nobody there. And we're like, why isn't the church open? <laughs> this was the way we thought. We thought everybody's supposed to be worshiping Jesus. Open up. It didn't even matter what denomination it was. We didn't care. It's like, open up the door. That's how we were. So, so I'm just giving you this. We were very intense in the Lord. Let's just say all of our families not too happy. Not too thrilled with us because you know everybody being Jewish and you know that that didn't really sit well. Enter the picture of a of a Jewish Christian rabbi. His name was Michael, and he had uh, kind of some minor ministries that he did. But he adopted the four of us because we met we met him through Larry, and so we were connecting to this, and we were thinking, <laughs> right, Jewish rabbi, right who believes in Jesus, right, for Jews, right, who believe in Jesus, this has to be the Lord, has to be. How could it not be God, right? Has to be. So we hung out with him and did ministry with them, and he rented a building from a pastor that he knew, and we would meet occasionally at that building, like either Friday nights or Saturdays. We didn't like, really like meeting Friday nights because reminded us a little bit too much of the past, and, uh, and he would uh, try and teach us. Okay, so where I want to leave, I want to leave it there because I want you to understand what we're talking about. We're four Jewish guys. We find a rabbi. He's a, a Jewish Christian. He's teaching us. We're renting a building and we're learning about, you know, different things. Not the least of which is apparently nobody else went witnessing on Van Buren like we did <laughs> because their lives were in danger. But we didn't care. We thought if we got shot for Jesus, that'd be cool because <laughs> We did that really weird thing in the beginning of our faith. We believed. Okay. I know they teach it out of you later. But uh, so well, what I'm going to do is answer the trivia question, and then we'll take our break. Who said—oh, wait, that was already answered. She already answered it. See how, see how I'm doing? Okay. Captain Chris just threw three ping pong balls, pink ping pong balls at me. I'm not offended. We're going to take our break now. <laughs> And then we'll be back. And if you think the issue, you wait till we get to what happens. Uh, you're listening to the David Smoot Experience right here on KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. Short break. We'll be back. Don't go anywhere. Most of my life, it feels like I've been running. What is the David Spoon experience? All right, Psalm 46, verse 1 through 3. This was the first uh, psalm that was read to me when I went to Bible college, the very first class I ever took in Bible college a bazillion years ago. Let me just say that. 
Psalm 46, 1 through 3. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their suffering. Here is something to consider that will be just absolutely a mind blower. How should you and I respond if the earth falls out of its rotation? <laughs> okay, so... So my uh, brother-in-law works for JPL and is actually one of the people that helped write the program that helped land the Mars rover on Mars. He helped write the computer programming, okay? He's much smarter than me in those realms, okay? About my age, a little younger, about my age. Very, very intelligent guy, right? And uh, he's the one I always make a joke, you know, what, what, what? keeps the earth you know rotating and so you'll hear me say uh, that it's on a perfect 23 and a half degree uh you know uh, rotation uh from the moon and from the the exact rotation from the sun or it's three mice chasing a piece of cheese and a wheel <laughs> one of those two so uh the idea behind that and that whole story is the earth is in this absolutely perfect rotation with all, with the uh, the moon and the sun and without it the earth would go through a free fall. Just even a half a degree off, it's over. It's all over. I mean, the, 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 there would be instant tidal waves. Everything would just be upside down. And if that ever happened, you know, you would know that's the end, although that's not how the end's going to happen. We already know from Scripture. But here's what the, the psalmist is saying. It doesn't matter how bad it gets. It doesn't matter if your world seems like it's upside down. It doesn't matter if it's out of rotation. It doesn't matter if there, the mountains fall into the sea. It doesn't, doesn't matter if the waters roar. God is a refuge. And a refuge is a shelter in a storm. You would first think of a lean-to. That is what a, a shelter in a storm is. So when it's raining, you find a lean-to, you put something on a tree, you put it uh, you know, against something else, and you get under it so you're away from that. And it says that God is a refuge, a strength, an ever-present help, which means he's helpful today, not just when it's all settled in eternity. And there's that lies a problem for some Christians is they keep thinking, well, in the sweet by and by, everything will get worked out. Well, that is true, that everything will be completely worked out in the sweet by and by. But God is an ever-present help, which means for today and not just for tomorrow. And then the position of the psalmist is, therefore, 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 in other words, it's a conclusion. So God is our refuge and strength, okay? So he's our lean-to in a storm. He's our ever-present help. Therefore, I don't have to be afraid. The David Spoon Experience. Welcome back to the David Spoon Experience. Thank you for joining us here at KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. That's KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. Even though when Chris came in to fix my microphone just now, he moved the chair in front of the sign. <laughs> it's okay. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm just giving him a hard time. So Chris spent like two hours working on the tech stuff yesterday. They all worked really hard. I didn't. <laughs> so I'm just telling you. I'm sorry. I had an ice cream. <laughs> I was working hard. Oh, yeah. We got to do trivia. <laughs> Oh, relax. We'll get to this. This is I can tell this series is going to be uh, amazing. All right, here's your uh, trivia question. Uh, who said this? 
one of the leaders in Israel early on, so still in the history, but not in the Torah, but early on, but not in the Torah. Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, the Lord your God has given you rest and have given you this land. Which leader in Israel said that? <clears throat> if you think you know the answer, you can call 972-445-0770. You can text in 214-210-8483. You can send an email, david, at he must increase. Dot org. There's no chance I'm going to do this or any other show without the opportunity of doing this joke. Well, a joke anyway. It's very short but very cute, although your buzzer should still work. I'm just saying. <clears throat> A child was being examined to test her reliability as a witness. Do you know anything that is in the Bible? She was asked. I know everything. What? The judge exclaimed in astonishment. Well, tell us some of the things that are in there. Well, she said, there's a picture of my sister's boyfriend, one of my mother's recipes for tomato ketchup, and a curl of mine and dad's lotto ticket. Because that's in their Bible. That's... Okay. Was that, was that was that a mercy? Was that a mercy drum roll? I don't like mercy drum rolls. Don't do that. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was funny. All right. Which uh, specific leader? Uh, not in the Torah. What's the Torah, Dave? Okay. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. So whoever this is is not there. But it's still an early leader. Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God has given you rest and has given you this land. What leader said that? Again, if you think you know, 972-445-0770-214-210-8483 is the text. And then david at he must org. It wasn't that bad a joke. It was in the Bible. It was cute. All right. All right, let's get to this next section. Get ready. All right. So uh, Billy and Bruce and Larry and I, the four musketeers, hooked up with a Jewish rabbi named Michael. He had a an assistant. Uh, I think her name was Becky or Rebecca. So you have to kind of bear with me. And she had a little dog. And when I say a little dog, <clears throat> I mean a really, really super, super small dog. And it's the first time I ever saw a dog that looked like Yoda. Right. It's like, you know, the first time that Yoda came into anything and just like the dog looked like we would always laugh like that dog looks like Yoda. And it's like it's so, so bizarre. But they were sweet and they were trying to help us and they were trying to grow us in the Lord. But we kept getting a little frustrated because we we when we said yes to Jesus, we did this other really bizarre thing. We all of us just believed that if this Jesus thing was true, that the Bible was true. We didn't have any disconnect whatsoever because we're thinking, okay, God raised the dead. 
he creates the universe. This isn't a big pull or anything. It's like he creates the universe. He raises the dead. He splits the sea. He stops the rotation of the universe after it's been created in the book of Joshua, chapter 10. And it's like you're just like going, yeah, of course he can write a book. Of course. I mean, it should not even be a question. And if he wants to say something different in different translations, who cares? It's almost like we didn't care. Although we always said, this translation is better than this, this, this. And we did that, but that was just pride. <laughs> we were just being, you know, goofy then. And so we're, we're trying to uh, understand the word, have Michael teach us. And Michael kept saying, and he kept saying, and he kept saying, and it got a little old. He kept saying, you know, we were the sign to the Jews, four Jews who became Christians from the same neighborhood. And then we come to Phoenix, Arizona, we all get saved, and we're all together. And it's like, we're a sign. And the problem with that is that 1 Corinthians 1, 22 and 23 says, For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. So the text is telling you it doesn't matter if the Jewish people require a sign. And remember, that's the sign thing that Jesus was talking about that was evil. And then uh, the Greeks require wisdom. They want everything just to make sense. Well, it doesn't make sense to somebody to die to somebody for somebody else they don't know in order for them to get together. In fact, the gospel is bizarre all by itself. Right? It's not it's not like a logical one plus one plus one equals three. It's like it's one plus two minus three minus times six equals uh, seven, seven, seven. You're disagreeing. I don't know how it got there. So the idea behind this is to to grasp that we were challenging the teaching that was going on, but we didn't have anywhere to challenge it with. Like, how do you challenge? Like, here's the guy that's teaching us. We don't know anybody. People already think we're weird, which we which we were. I mean, I don't think there's any. We were weird. I mean, let's just let's just say it. And that that's. But we were on fire for the Lord. We love the Lord, and we just you know we even just so you can know, because <clears throat> we didn't know. We saw our first telethon, <laughs> and we pledged money, and then found out you have to actually pay the money. See, we didn't know any. We were just like we didn't get it right. We were young. Leave us alone. So, so anyway, we're we're going through a process, and so at the building where we were at on Harvard Street in Phoenix, Arizona, we we were renting this building for this pastor. We thought, you know, that pastor guy, he's not got any church or anything. Let's ask that guy what the deal is, because we keep hearing from our rabbi, we're the sign, we're the sign, we're the sign. Clearly, the scripture says we're not the sign. I mean, that's just not it. So we decided to ask him. We asked him as a foursome. We were we were pretty <laughs> we were pretty tight in that capacity. And this pastor's name was Ken. And he was known as Pastor Ken. And so we would come and we would ask him. And we would it turns out, lo and behold, Ken was a Bible aficionado. Now we didn't know that when we asked him. We were just, hey, this doesn't make sense to us. Are we wrong about this? Da 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 da. And he's like, no, you're not wrong. He goes, that's very astute. That just shows that that there is something special about you guys. And that we were all like, yes, but that doesn't mean we're the sign for the Jews. <laughs> I mean, we're, you know, we're standing in our position. He's like, no, no, you're not the sign for the Jews. But it does show there's something special. You guys are special. There's something unique about about this whole thing. And they said, well, okay, well then, how do we handle it? So. It turns out, now we learned some of this stuff later, so you have to just bear with us. We're asking a pastor. Now, who would know more about God than a pastor? You know, 
And we could even understand that he would know more than the rabbi because the rabbi, you know, had to grow into it, whereas a pastor was probably trained from when he was like a day old or something. That's how we thought. And so the, we were asking, well, how do, you, how do you talk to him about this? How do we engage with him about this process? Now, you know I'm skipping bits and pieces, but you have to understand this is a long 43-year story. So he told us, the pastor told us how to do it. And here's how he told us to do it. Ready? He said, you got to take him down. You got to confront him. You got to go after him. You got to tell him. Right as you got to just challenge, you know, everything. Because if it's not right, you got to say something about it. If somebody's teaching something that's not right, you got to stand up and say something. It doesn't matter if it causes a ruckus or whatever the case may be. You got four impressionable Jewish Christians who have had no church training and did everything in the world to get out of any temple training, including illegal drugs. <laughs> so, so we were just trying to escape. And then you've got this pastor of this new faith that we found, and he said, you got to confront this guy head on. And so we thought, well, that's what we're going to have to do. And uh, then Ken told us, if you find something that's questionable, you need to respond. He did, I will, I will say this with you. He didn't say, do it while they're talking. Okay, so that's cool. All right, so we didn't do that, all right? So Michael had a gathering, I think it was on a Saturday, and people were visiting for the first time. <laughs> There's like six other people that came. So it's us four, six other people, it's ten people, it's more we ever had. And then Michael makes a statement, he's teaching the Sermon on the Mount, and he makes a statement out. He, he, he makes this statement. And I know he didn't mean to make the statement now, but we were looking for things to pounce on. And he made the statement that money is really a bad thing. Well, Billy and I came out of a family fortune in in two, I just checked by the way. In two thousand and twenty-two, the family fortune back then was worth one hundred and six million dollars. It was forty million dollars in nineteen seventy-seven. It's worth one hundred and six million dollars today. So he said something about money. <laughs> so that was the opening. He finished. He goes, "Not all that hard. Not all that complex." And now I'll open up for any questions. And that was the downfall for Michael. He asked four very impressionable young Christians who have just been instructed by a pastor, a man of God, to, uh, to, to, to find anything. And if there's a flaw, expose it. Then he asked us to comment or ask questions, and we did. And it was like a shark frenzy. It got so bad that the visitors were defending Michael while we were attacking Michael. I just want you to understand. Like, Mike, Mike, he doesn't know what's going on, right? We're just four followers. Everything should be fine. He's just giving a teaching. And we went after every nuance, every statement that was wrong. And we thought we were doing that. Listen to what I tell you. Listen to this. We thought we were doing that for God. We didn't know we were doing that to massage an ego that wanted to have control. 
Isn't that wild? It's just wild. And it was a disaster service after that. And I'm not going to tell you other things that were sad because there's no point in going down there. We just attacked Michael viciously. And we were wrong, and we should not have done that. But we were under orders, and we thought we were under instructions from the Lord because it came from the Lord's guy. Okay? All right. We're going to take our break there. I will answer the trivia question first, which we need to, We still need to do that. Yes, we do. Okay. Uh, who said, uh, not in the Torah, but who said, remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, the Lord your God has given you rest, and he has given you this land. That was Joshua. See, your hint was, it's not in the Torah, all right? So it's not in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, uh, Numbers of Deuteronomy. So what's the next book? Joshua. So it was Joshua. All right, we'll take our break and then come back. And I can tell this is going to be a 12-parter, so I can't do much about that. You're listening to the David Spoon Experience right here on KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. Short break. We'll be back. Don't go anywhere. Have you ever wanted to get involved with a ministry that promotes Jesus Christ as Lord, but just don't know how? Serving in ministry is a matter of devotion, time, and talent. Are you looking for a place to try and test the waters? Do you want to get involved? Come join the Ambassadors Initiative. Be an ambassador for the David Spoon Experience. It doesn't pay great. Actually, it doesn't pay anything. But the eternal benefits are out of this world. Be a representative. Why not? It couldn't hurt. Well, we hope not anyway. You don't need to be a professionally qualified minister. You need to have a pulse. By that, we mean you need to have a heart. Just go to hemustincrease.org. That's hemustincrease.org. Click on the three lines at the top right of the website and then click on the Ambassador's Initiative link. Fill out the form and we will reach out to you. Sorry. No parking tickets will be paid for you as an ambassador through this position. As promised, we are going to now uh, have our interview with the Apostle Peter. We were fortunate uh, enough to have an interview a couple weeks back with an angel from heaven, and now we've been given permission from the powers on high to go ahead and have an interview with the Apostle Peter. Peter, thank you so much for uh, taking the time for whatever's going on there in the heavenly realms and uh, talking to us. Well, Dave, you're welcome. I'm real glad to see that people are carrying on the work of loving our Lord Jesus Christ and advancing the kingdom. And I'm very, very, very pleased to see that the radio station is moving forward in advancing the Lord Jesus Christ in his lordship, both in uh, personal lives and in corporate lives. It's a great thing for me to see. Well, thank you, Peter. Uh, that's great. And uh, so I guess I want to ask you some basic questions. I'm really breaking this uh, interview down into two separate sections. The first section is kind of before the resurrection, and the second section is kind of after the resurrection, after the ascension. Okay, Dave, that'll be fine. I know exactly what you're trying to accomplish here. Uh, probably unknown to you is that uh, we know exactly where this is going. Well, Peter, I don't want to say that that's kind of scary, but okay. Here's uh, my first question to you, sir. Uh, what are you absolutely the most proud of as a disciple and as an apostle of Jesus Christ? Well, David, that's a great question. The thing that I am absolutely the most proud of was the moment that Jesus asked all of us to identify who he really was. And it was at that moment 
that I was able to say that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. That's the actual rock that the church has been built on. I think some people thought that the rock might have been me myself, but it was my confession that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. It is that statement of faith that the church has been built upon and that the gates of hell have never nor will ever prevail against. The David Spoon Experience. Welcome back to the David Spoon Experience. Thank you for joining us here at KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. That's KAAMAN. See, I can crack my voice. Amen. 770, right here. That's, that's pretty good. Uh, right here in Texas. Here's the next trivia question. If you guys don't get this, I'm going to go home and cry. Who said this uh, to King David before he was king? Why are you coming out to set your battle in array? Actually, he said this to the armies of Israel. So let me make that correction. My fault. Why are you coming out to set your battle in array? Am I not a Philistine and you are the servants of Saul? Who said that? Who said that? Think of making lots of money in the NBA if that guy was alive today. All right. Uh, if you think you know <laughs> the answer to that, that's a good one right there, right? Wouldn't even really be a dunk if you think about it. Uh, 972-445-0770. That would be the uh, number to call, 214-210-8483. That would be the number to text. And then David at he must increase.org would be the email. We do have somebody calling in, but I am still going to send you up to the website. There's a couple of reasons why I'm going to send you to the website. Uh, don't forget there's brochures. Uh, don't forget there are books on there. I think we're selling invisible handcuffs on. Oh, no, that was on the news. That was the wrong thing. Sorry. And then uh, we're looking for uh, funds because we need uh, fun funds. So we want funds. Okay. Uh, see, that's a good one right there. Uh, go to hemustincrease.org. Prayer request? Hemustincrease.org. Praise report? Hemustincrease.org. Looking to give to this ministry? Hemustincrease.org. Confused by what's happening right now? Hemustincrease.org. Hemustincrease.org. What's up, Doc? so good <laughs> so good uh, the doc one is just great that's just great good job chris can't say thank you because he can't talk because the mic doesn't work as lips are sealed that's what he's saying all right uh let's do our history and then we'll get into it we got so much to cover i don't know if i can pull this off tomorrow as well i just don't know yet uh let's do history oh wait let's go. we have somebody on the phone oh let's answer that first that's not fair uh see I'm not thinking well. <laughs> Send them through while we still can. Knock, knock. This is David. Who am I talking to? This is Gary. Hi, Gary. I almost made you sit on that whole thing for history. I apologize. <laughs> that was terrible. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm just, uh, I drove down and just felt a lot less pressure in life driving. So I don't know. I, I think there's, uh, it's the beginning of the lift. 
where mm-hmm. I don't have to feel like I'm burdened out all the time. So I'm, I'm pretty Well, I've happy been praying for all of you, and I'll continue to pray for you. We appreciate that, and we love praying for you, and you're a great brother in the Lord, so we want you to let you know Thank we you. appreciate it. It sounds like Deborah is feeling fairly well. Yep, much better. And again, I want to thank you for asking about it. You know, it's just what I love is that people ask, what about this person? Because now there's a lot more people. It's getting harder to keep track for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, so it's like, that's good. I need help. Um, all right, here you go. Uh, would have been a great NBA player in today's world. <laughs> okay. Well, we're, here we go. Who said, why have you come out to set your battle in array? Am I not a Philistine? And you're the servants of Saul. Yes, it, it was Goliath. That is correct, sir. It was Goliath. And some people think, so there's a little bit of a discussion. That he was 9 foot 6 or 9 foot 3 or 9 foot 9. Uh, I tend to think that the the translation nine foot six is probably the most accurate. But if he was nine foot six and he was in the NBA, he wouldn't have to dunk. He would just kind of lift his hand. That's all I have to tell you. <laughs> slam, slam, slam! Excellent he was, job. He's a big he guy. Was big. Right? He's a big guy. And then and then David runs to him. I mean, instead of like looking for a spot to dodge, right? Just he runs right at him. It's like that. That's faith, right? I love that. He was very brave. Yeah, he was brave, very brave. All right, excellent job, my brother. And we will keep praying for you. You keep praying for us, okay? I'll do it. Okay. Thank you, brother. Bye-bye. All right, great job. Let's do our history, and let's get that done correctly. Let's go. All right. Uh, today is Moon Day. On this day, as a reminder, the first moon landing happened on July 20th, 1969. So that is important for people to recognize. Also, today is National Ice Cream Soda Day. All good by me. National Lollipop Day. Okay, that's fine. All right. uh, International Chess Day. My son actually liked to play chess. I was never really good at chess, actually. No. Don't even ask me which game is good. It's not. It's not worth me telling. And then uh, today is National Fortune Cookie Day. Okay. And so what's the you know? So I, I had this experience before. I'm just telling you, it was funny. Relax. I do have a fortune cookie in my wallet that says, uh, "In God We Trust, all others pay cash." I do actually have that. And then uh, the classic line is, "What's the fortune cookie?" Is a guy saying, "Help! I'm stuck in a Chinese fortune cookie uh, thing and I can't get out." That's funny. And then when I was young and I was eating at a restaurant, I got a fortune cookie. It says, you have an admirer, and he's looking at you right now. And that's when I decided to leave the restaurant. All right. Uh, 1940, on this day, Billboard magazine published its first uh, first published its list of most popular songs. Are they still around, Billboard? Do they still exist? Yeah? Okay. Uh, and then, uh, let's see. That's not interesting. That's not, see, if I look at it, it's not interesting. I don't care. 2003, rookie Ben Curtis ranked 396th in the world, wins the British Open on his first try. (laughs) I don't know where you're going golf from there. That's pretty much it. Bye. All right. That's history. Okay. Got it. They were like, how, how how do you, how do you just keep, all right. So here's the next segment. (laughs) I'll just. Do that for you. Here's the next segment. So I'm picking this up from when we attacked uh, Mike, Michael, and uh, under the direct order of Pastor Ken, because we didn't know. And I'm saying that not in a defensive way. We really didn't know. We were new, and we didn't understand how faith worked. We didn't understand how churches worked. We were were fortunate enough to be raised born and raised Jewish, so we went to temple twice a year. (laughs) That's right. 
You don't think the Christians came up with that, do you? The Easter Christmas thing? <laughs> Get in line. Anyway, bottom line is uh, after we did that, uh, we had no teacher, right? We just annihilated our teacher. We just ripped him to shreds. We turned him into, into mush kind of thing. It was terrible, right? So what do you think the four Jewish guys who got the instruction from the pastor who should know everything about God and knew the Bible inside and out, what do you think the four Jewish guys did? They were, they were Christians. We were knocking on the pastor's door after that event the next day and said, you need to teach us. Of course we did. Where else were we supposed to go? What else were we supposed to do? That was his plan all along. We just didn't know that. Okay? So he, after we took him down, we told him we need this. And he was like, you guys have done well. You did the right thing. And then came the smearing of compliments. You know what it's like to be complimented? It's, it's a blessing to feel you know, you've done something good. I mean, who doesn't feel that? How'd you like to be new in faith, have your family totally angry at you, nobody liking you, you're being a radical in your Christian, you're, you're telling people about Jesus every chance you get, and finally somebody in the faith says, you guys are fantastic. Hook, line, and sinker. We were in, right? And now, and this is where people are going to rub people the wrong way, and it's too bad. I mean, I'm not... I'm not telling you this story for the fun of it. And now we found out that we were going to learn, instead of from a rabbi who, who didn't really know his Bible, now we were going to learn from the Lord's anointed leader. Oh, yeah. The anointed leader. You think, what do you mean? Well, many of you didn't go through churches where people tried to exercise a certain amount of control over people, but we did. And the anointed leader first told everybody about the story of Saul and King David before David became the king and Saul was the king, and how David would never touch the anointed because David would never touch Saul as a leader. That issue is not wrong. It was wrong for the pastor to pick up the mantle that he was anointed. <laughs> That's what the wrong was. In other words, anybody can say they're anointed. Anybody can pick up on the, I'm the leader, so I'm anointed. Hey, have you looked at the White House? Give me a break. There's some people that are just in leadership, period. It doesn't matter. It's a, it's a special anointing. You got to be kidding me, right? That was drilled into us. So that we could, quote, touch not my anointed and do my prophets no harm in 50 different languages. The first thing that was established once we had ripped apart somebody that we were told was not anointed, okay, even though they were the leader, was now that we had a new leader, no more ripping apart allowed. No more questioning allowed. No more, I don't understand how you can do this allowed. And I'm just going to say something. This is just going to, here's, this is the moment where people are just going to go, ah, click or whatever. Okay. 
So there's teaching in the church. Most of you, if you're familiar with the shepherding movement, just so you can know, Bob Mumford and Derek Prince, people who were uh, influential in the church, came up with this idea of the shepherding movement, that the, the shepherd is responsible for the people, and because the shepherd is responsible for the people, the shepherd should have authority to help them make decisions in life. Initially, the idea is good in the sense of making good decisions, moral decisions, so on and so forth, but it quickly grew into abuse where people were making decisions about relationships, jobs, locations of living, uh, how much they were giving, the whole nine yards, okay? Pastor Ken was a huge fan of the shepherding movement. He just didn't know it was called the shepherding movement. He just liked the control. So he would say to us, Touch not my anointed. Do my prophets no harm. You can't speak against me. It's okay that you took down the rabbi, but you can't do that to me. Let me give you, I'm going to read you a scripture. I'm going to show you where the error is so that everybody can understand how deep the fallacy goes. This comes out of Psalm 105, and this is verse 8. And I'm going to show you something that a lot of people won't show you because they don't understand the word context. Verse 8 in Psalm 105, he has remembered his covenant forever, the word which he commanded to a thousand generations, the covenant which he made with Abraham, his oath to Isaac, then confirmed it to Jacob, to Israel, to who? To Israel as an everlasting covenant, saying, To you I will give the land of Canaan and the portion of your inheritance, when they were only a few in people. Very few and strangers in it. And they wandered from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another people. He allowed no one to oppress them, and he rebuked kings for their sakes, saying, Do not touch my anointed one, and do my prophets no harm. In context, touch not my anointed ones and do my prophet no harm is all the people of Israel. And God was telling all these different uh, Gentile nations, don't touch my people. Don't touch my people. You touch my people, you're going to be in trouble. Bad, bad, bad. Don't do that. I'll blow you up. I mean, it's just like that kind of thing. And what the pastors have done is they've taken that verse out of context, even though it refers to the people of God. And you think, wait, 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 are you telling me it's not the leaders? Touch not my anointed one. Christ means anointed one. Christians is anointed ones. Specifically, that passage is about people who don't believe in God touching God's people. That's exactly what it's got nothing to do with a pastor by himself. Just absolutely ludicrous. And if you need backup, because I'm willing to give it, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. What happens when he stops following Christ? You stop following him. And what about 2 Corinthians 2.14? Not that we rule over your faith, Paul said. What? Not that we rule over your faith. So this whole notion that there's this authority structure and that people have to obey because if they don't obey in every nuance, they're going to be, you know, zapped or whatever. Ours was better. You know what our story was? Ken told the story about past congregations he had how, about people who disobeyed him and spoke evil about them and how God killed them.
That's what he told us. In fact, it was true that somebody out of the 110 people out of his three previous churches, let's just we'll just leave that there. Uh, uh, one person did die. Wow, one out of 110. They picked up a hitchhiker on their way to Flagstaff, Arizona. Hey, I pastored in Flagstaff, and uh, the hitchhiker ended up killing the guy because the guy was a mental case. But uh, can use that after his church was closed 15 years later, saying T. What? What? But we were too dumb to know. So now you have the same guy that told us how to attack a Christian leader, telling us we can no longer attack Christian leaders unless he, the anointed of God, gives us permission. He's in charge, and we can't challenge him or question him. And, oh, by the way, if we talk about the anointed or touch the prophets of God, God will kill us, and he's him. So I, I, he's, he's the one of the anointed, so we can't touch him. Even though none of that is scriptural, none of that is right, and all of that is wackadoodle. That's what we went through. I mean, you guys are you're probably sitting there going, well, are you, is this, this is nothing. We haven't even gotten to anywhere into this process yet. I am just giving you, at the best, I am giving you core, right? And so what we were, in order to not have us restless, that's a nice way to put that, what Ken would do was continue to give us praise and honor and threats of spiritual nature and then as we were growing what's the word i'm looking for restless i guess after a little bit of time he then decided we would actually become a church and then gave each of us each of the four of us a title because once you have a title now nah, you're committed to the work, no matter how bizarre the work was. <laughs> and you think, well, why are you telling me? The reason that I tell you this and the reason that I've been involved in deep programming and the reason that I uh, am very anti-pastor knowing everything about uh, a person is because that's not the example that's set in the New Testament. In fact, the greatest amongst us is supposed to be the servant of all. And the one who impresses God is the one who serves others. I mean, that's the whole point. And, it's, and, and, and don't misunderstand. I'm so glad I finished the doctorate. I'm super happy, okay? And I love that I, I got to that place. And best joke in that is the, is the, the Jewish family. You know, you're a doctor, a lawyer, or a disappointment? Hey, Ma, I'm a doctor. You know, it's like the best line there is, right? But I'm not an idiot. I'm smart enough to know there's 10 thousand upon 10,000 people that are closer to God than I'll ever be. I'm just doing what the Lord told me to do, and I'm just doing it the best I can. I'll steal this line from John Wimber, who used it wildly. He used it a long, long time ago. He said, I'm just a fat guy trying to get to heaven. <laughs> That's what he said. So I'm just a Jewish guy trying to get to heaven. I mean, I love the line just because it's very self-deprivating and it's funny. But what you need to be aware of is this kind of spiritual abuse exists right now in churches all over. Any person who's in leadership in the, in the name of Jesus Christ needs to be a servant like Jesus was. 
if they're not doing that, or if your pastor's quoting Psalm 105, verse 15, I have no problem telling you to hit the road. Because it's wrong. It's absolutely a stench in the nostrils of God. Okay? All right. I'm going to close with prayer, because that just seems like the best thing to do. And I want to pray for people and different people in our group and also their marriages. So just bear with me and hang with me real quickly. Uh, Father, we come before you right now. I just want to thank you that you have enabled me to share any of this. And I know it's not perfect, Lord. It doesn't. There's no way to do it all and bring it all together. So many years, Lord. And a lot of pain, Lord. But what we'll find out in the next time is how you have aligned these things so that we can identify with Jesus. And what I'm praying for right now are the people never to be under spiritual abuse and just take it, but that they would become aware of their spiritual heritage in you, and you would give them wisdom and insight. We also pray, Lord God, for some of the people in our group that are super struggling in their marriages. They're really having a hard time. We know there's people that are physically hurting. We certainly pray you would help them, but there are people whose marriages are really strained. And we ask you to pour grace into these lives, into the husbands and the wives. Pour grace into every one of us. Let us not be legalistic, but be full of grace, mercy, and love. And walk and operate by the truth. And let this encourage and strengthen that, Lord, you always rescue those who love you. And we thank you for it and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Uh, we're going to be done for today. We'll pray about what, uh, how we're going to do it next. I have no idea. Uh, but you have been listening to the David Spoon Experience right here on KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas, taking a 22-and-a-half-hour break. Then we'll come back. More Insanity with Spoonanity. Talk to you then. The views expressed in the preceding program were those of the speakers and not necessarily those of KAAM, DJRD Broadcasting, or its sponsors.